Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's an option to sign up to receive a daily excellent email uh, that includes both the text reading as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself, with Section 3, uh, The Laws of Chaos. And we will be reading the first half of this section, uh, completing today at the end of Paragraph 31. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 254. Let every voice but God be still in me. And by way of opening this morning, I was really happy to find this uh, from Pierre Pretervant in his book, 365 Blessings to Heal the World. And it goes like this. In the quiet sanctuary of true listening, may I still all inner noise and mind's interminable ramblings until I hear that deep inner silence from which all spiritual joy is born. And may my life become that special space where the geyser of your joy springs forth into eternity. Geyser of joy. Amen. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. Yeah. It's a great blessing, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> Alrighty, my friends. Here's our reading list today. We have Fran, Jennifer. I think there's one unmuted line. I'm not sure. I'm going to just tap it. Okay. Fran, Jennifer, Robin Marie, Lemoyne, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida and Harrison. Has <clears throat> anyone else joined us this morning? Good morning. It's Karen. Hi, Karen. Can I put you down to read? Uh, Karen, can I put you down to read? Well, we'll see. Okay. So here we go. In Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself, Section 3, The Laws of Chaos. Starting this morning with Paragraph 19. The so-called laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful and therefore out of reason's sphere. Yet they appear to constitute an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us then look upon them calmly, that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, 
not what they would maintain. It is essential it be understood what they are for because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack the truth. Here are the laws that rule the world you made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. A friend. Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself. Section 3, The Laws of Chaos. Paragraph 19. The quote-unquote laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful and therefore out of reason sphere. Yet they appear to constitute an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us then look upon them calmly that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, not what they would maintain. It is essential it be understood what they are for because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack the truth. Here are the laws that rule the world you made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. 20. The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. Like all these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts which sets him off from others. This principle evolves from the belief there is a hierarchy of illusions. Some are more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this for himself and makes it true by his attack on what another values. And this is justified because the values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. 20. The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. Like all these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts which sets them off from others. This principle evolves from the belief there is a hierarchy of illusions. Some are more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this for himself and makes it true by his attack on what another values. And this is justified because the values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. 21. Think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles. For this establishes degrees of truth among illusions, making it appear that some of them are harder to overcome than others. If it were realized that they are all the same and equally untrue, it would be easy. Then, to understand that miracles apply to all of them. Errors of any kind can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth and set up to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing 
can be more resistant to the truth than can another. Thank you, Jennifer. And Robin Marie. Twenty-one. Think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles. For this establishes degrees of truth among illusions, making it appear that some of them are harder to overcome than others. If it were realized that they are all the same and equally untrue, it would be easy then to understand that miracles apply to all of them. Errors of any kind can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to the truth than can another. 22. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle, closely related to the first, is the demand that errors call for punishment and not correction, for the destruction of the one who makes the error places him beyond correction and beyond forgiveness. What he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself which God himself is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted because being sin cannot be remitted. Being the belief of the Son of God can make mistakes for which his own destruction becomes inevitable. Thank you, Robin Marie. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle, closely related to the first, is the demand that errors call for punishment and not correction. For the destruction of the one who makes the error places him beyond correction and beyond forgiveness. What he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself, which God himself is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted, being the belief the Son of God can make mistakes for which his own destruction becomes inevitable. Think what this seems to do in the relationship between the Father and the Son. Now it appears they can never be one again, for one must always be condemned by the other. Now, they, now are they different enemies, and their relationship is one of opposition just as the separate aspects of the sun meet only to but not to join. 
One becomes weak, the other strong by his feet. And fear of God and of each other now appears as sensible, made real by what the Son of God has done to both himself and his creator. The arrogance on which the laws of chaos stand could not be more apparent than it hurts here. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jessica. Thank you. 23. Think what this... Okay, um, let me read the sentence before... Um, oh, it's very long. Uh, I guess I'll just soldier on. <laughs> Think what this seems to do to the relationship between the father and the son. Now it appears that they can never be one again. For one must always be condemned and by the other. Now are they different and enemies. And their relationship is one of opposition, just as the separate aspects of the sun meet only to conflict but not to join. One becomes weak, the other strong by his defeat. And fear of God and of each other now appears as sensible, made real by what the Son of God has done both to himself and his creator. The arrogance on which the laws of chaos stand could not be more apparent than emerges here. 24. Here is a principle which would define what the creator of reality must be, what he must think, and what he must believe, and how he must respond, believing it. It is not seen as even necessary that he be asked about the truth of what has been established for his belief. His son can tell him this, and he has but the choice whether to take his word for it or be mistaken. This leads directly to the third preposterous belief that seems to make chaos eternal. For if God cannot be mistaken, he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 24. Here is the principle which would define what the creator of reality must be, what he must think and what he must believe, and how he must respond, believing it. It is not seen as even necessary that he be asked about the truth of what has been established for his belief. His son, his son can tell him this, and he has, but the choice whether to take his word for it or be mistaken. This leads directly to the third preposterous belief that seems to make chaos eternal. For if God cannot be mistaken, then he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. 25. See how the fear of God is reinforced 
by this third principle, now it becomes impossible to turn to him for help in misery. And now he has become the quote-unquote enemy who caused it and to whom appeal is useless. Nor can salvation lie within the Son, whose every aspect seems to be at war with him and justified in its attack. And now is conflict made inevitable and beyond the help of God. And now salvation must remain impossible because the Savior has become the enemy. Thank you, Karen. And would there be a new reader for 25 and 26? New reader this for 25 and 26? Oh, thank you, Sandra. I can read. See how the fear of God is reinforced by the third principle. Now it becomes impossible to turn to him for help in misery. For now he has become the enemy, in quotes, who caused it and to whom appeal is useless. Nor can salvation lie within the Son, whose every aspect seems to be at war with him, capital H, and justified in its attack. And now is conflict made inevitable and beyond the help of God. And now salvation must remain impossible because the Savior has become the enemy. There can be no release and no escape. Atonement thus becomes a myth and vengeance, not forgiveness, is the will of God. From where all this begins, there is no sight of help that can succeed. Only destruction can be the outcome, and God himself seems to be siding with it to overcome his son. Think not the ego will enable you to find escape from what it wants, that is the function of this course, which does not value what the ego cherishes. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 26 and 27? Paragraph 26 and 27. Good morning, Lord. This is Mindy. Let me see if I can pull it up. <laughs> okay, doc. Okay. Looks like we're in business. Yay. Okay, 26. There can be no release and no escape. Atonement thus becomes a myth, and vengeance, not forgiveness, is the will of God. From where all this begins, there is no sight of help that can succeed. Only destruction can be the outcome, and God himself seems to be siding with it to overcome his son. 
Think not the ego will enable you to find escape from what it wants. <laughs> that is the function of this course, which does not value what the ego cherishes. 27. The ego values only what it takes. This leads to the fourth law of chaos, which, if the others are accepted, must be true. This seeming law is the belief you have what you have taken. By this, another's loss becomes your gain, and thus it fails to recognize that you can never take away save from yourself. Yet all the other laws must lead to this. For enemies do not give willingly to one another, nor would they seek to share the things they value. And what your enemies would keep from you must be worth having, just because they keep it hidden from your sight. Thank you, Mindy. And is there another new reader for 27 and 28? Good morning, Lori. This is Kristen. I can read. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thank you. Uh, 27. The ego values only what it takes. This leads to the fourth law of chaos, which, if the others are accepted, must be true. This seeming law is the belief you have what you have taken. By this, another's loss becomes your gain, and thus it fails to recognize that you can never take away, say, from yourself. Yet all the other laws must lead to this, for enemies do not give willingly to one another, nor would they seek to share the things they value. And what your enemies would keep from you must be worth having, just because they keep it hidden from your sight. 28. All of the mechanisms of madness are seen emerging here. The, quote, enemy, made strong by keeping hidden the valuable inheritance, which should be yours. Your justified position and attack for what has been withheld. And the inevitable loss the enemy must suffer to save yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Thus, do the guilty ones protest their innocence, quote-unquote? Were they not forced into this foul attack by the unscrupulous behavior of the enemy? They would respond with only kindness. But in a savage world, the kind cannot survive. So they must take or else be taken from. Thanks for letting me read. I haven't read in a year, and this is what I needed to read. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Okay. Uh, would there be another new reader for 28 and 29? 28 and 29? All right, back to you, Fran. 28. All of the mechanisms of madness are seen emerging here. The quote-unquote enemy made strong by keeping hidden the valuable inheritance which should be yours, your justified position and attack for what has been withheld, and the inevitable loss the enemy 
must suffer to save yourself. Thus do the guilty ones protest their quote-unquote innocence. Were they not forced into this foul attack by the unscrupulous behavior of the enemy, they would respond with only kindness. But in a savage world, the kind cannot survive, so they must take or else be taken from. 29. And now there is a vague, unanswered question, not yet quote-unquote explained. What is this precious thing, this priceless pearl, this hidden secret treasure to be wrested in righteous wrath from this most treacherous and cunning enemy? It must be what you want, excuse me, but never found. And now you quote-unquote understand the reason why you found it not, but was taken from you by this enemy and hidden where you would not think to look. He hid it in his body, making it the cover for his guilt, the hiding place for what belongs to you. Now must his body be destroyed and sacrificed that you may have that which belongs to you. His treachery demands his death that you may live, and you attack only in self-defense. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. 29. And now there is a vague, unanswered question, not yet, not yet explained. What is this precious thing, this priceless pearl, this hidden secret treasure, to be wrested in righteous wrath from this most treacherous, and cunning and me. It must be what you want but never found. And now you understand the reason why you found it not. For it was taken from you by this enemy and hidden where you would not think to look. He hid it in his body, making it the cover for his guilt, uh, the hiding place for what belongs to you. Now must his body be destroyed and sanctified that you may have that which belongs to you. His treachery demands his death that you <laughs> may live. <clears throat> and, uh, you, and you attack only in self-defense. 30. But what, <clears throat> but what is it you want that needs his death. Can you be sure your murderous attack is justified unless you know what it is for? And here a final principle of chaos comes to the rescue. <laughs> it holds there uh, is a, a substitute for love. This is the quote-unquote magic that will cure all of your pain. The missing factor in your madness that makes it quote-unquote thing. This is the reason why you must attack. Here's what makes your vengeance justified. Behold, unveiled, the ego's secret gift, <laughs> torn from your brother's body, hidden there in malice and in hatred for the one to whom the gift belongs. He would deprive you of the secret ingredient which would 
would give meaning to your life. Besides, we seek for love. Born of your enemy, uh, excuse me, the substitute for love, born of your enmity to one another, must be salvation. It has no substitute, and there is only one. And all your relationships have but the purpose of seizing it and making it your own. Thank you, Jennifer. And Robin Marie. Thirty. But but if it you want that needs his death, can you be sure your murderous attack is justified unless you know what it is for? And here a final principle of chaos comes to the rescue. It holds there is a substitute for love. This is the, quote, magic, unquote, that will cure all of your pain, the missing factor in your madness that makes it, quote, sane, unquote. This is the reason why you must attack. Here is what makes your vengeance justified. Behold, unveiled the ego's secret gift torn from your brother's body, hidden there in malice and in hatred for the one to whom the gift belongs. He would deprive you of the secret ingredient which would give meaning to your life. The substitute for love, born of your enmity to one another, must be salvation. It has no substitute. And there is only one And all your relationships have but the purpose of seizing it and making it your own. 31. Never is your possession made complete. And never will your brother cease his attack on you for what you stole. Nor will God end his vengeance upon both. For in his madness, he must have the substitute for love and kill you both. You who believe you walk in sanity with feet on solid ground and through a world where meaning can be found, consider this. In brackets, these are the laws on which your, quote, sanity, unquote, appears to rest. These are the principles which make the ground beneath your feet seem solid. And it, and it is here you look for meaning. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven, which you prefer. This is their purpose. They were made for this. There is no point in asking what they mean. That is apparent. The means means of madness must be insane. Are you as certain as you realize the goal is madness? Thank you, Robin Marie. Uh, and Lemoyne, if you would finish today with paragraph 31, please. Never is your possession made complete. And never will your brother cease his attack on you for what you stole. Nor will God end his vengeance 
upon both, for in his matter he must have the substitute for love and kill you both. You who believe you walk in sanity, with feet on solid ground, and through a world where meaning can be found, consider this. These are the laws on which your seeming sanity appears to rest. These are the principles which make the ground beneath your feet seem solid. And it is here you look for meaning. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven which you prefer. This is their purpose. They were made for this. There is no point in asking what they mean. That is apparent. The means of madness must be insane. Are you as certain that you realize the goal of madness? Thank you, Lemoyne. <clears throat> and thank you, everyone who read this morning. And... Um, Rather than trying to reread it, I would just highlight these five laws of chaos, each one flowing into the next because of the error in the previous one. The first is that truth is different for everyone, maintaining that everyone is separate with different thoughts and have a different hierarchy of illusions based on what I value. The second is that each must sin and deserves attack and death. Errors call for punishment and not correction. The third one defines what the Creator must think, believe, and how he must respond. Principle number three is we need not ask for truth. The Son can tell the Creator what the truth is, and he must hate the Son for it. The fourth is that you have what you have taken. This establishes <clears throat> the basis for all insanity and makes everyone your enemy because he hides your inheritance, forcing you into attack. And the fifth, finally, is my attack is justified by this hidden thing, this substitute for love, the ego's secret gift of specialness. My brother will deprive me of this, which is my salvation. And all relationships are established for seizing it. This is the ego's secret gift, specialness. The substitute for love, which represents salvation according to the ego's thought system. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven which you prefer. This is their purpose. They were made for this. There is no point in asking what they mean. That is apparent. The means of madness must be insane. Are you as certain that you realize the goal is madness? And that takes us just about to the top of the hour. Uh, where we can pause and reflect on the privilege we have of asking for truth uh, as opposed to these laws of chaos. So, Fran, 
If you'd lead us in our reflection this morning, please. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part, second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on now is what is sin. And <clears throat> excuse me. Today's lesson is lesson two fifty four. Let every voice but God's be still in me. So I shall read some from what is sin, and then we will go over to our lesson and do our five minute practice. What is sin? Sin is insanity. It is the means by which the mind is driven mad and seeks to let illusions take the place of truth. And being mad, it sees illusions where the truth should be and where it really is. Sin gave the body eyes, for what is there the sinless would behold? What need have they of sights or sounds or touch? What would they hear or reach to grasp? What would they sense at all? To sense is not to know. And truth can be but filled with knowledge and with nothing else. How long, O Son of God, will you maintain the game of sin? Shall we not put away these sharp-edged children's toys? How soon will you be ready to come home? Perhaps today. There is no sin. Creation is unchanged. <clears throat> Would you hold, still hold return to heaven back? How long, O holy Son of God, how long? <clears throat> now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 254. Let every voice but God's be still in me. Father, today I would but hear your voice. In deepest silence, I will come to you to hear your voice and to receive your word. I have no prayer but this. I come to you to ask you for the truth. And truth is but your will, which I would share with you today. Today we let no ego thoughts direct our words or actions. When such thoughts occur, we quietly step back and look at them, and then we let them go. We do not want what they would bring with them, and so we do not choose to keep them. They are silent now, and in the stillness, hallowed by his love, God speaks to us and tells us of our will as we have chosen to remember him. Now we'll go do our lesson, our five-minute practice. Lesson 254, let every voice but God's be still in me. Five minutes.
Lesson 254. Let every voice but God's be still in me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, guys. I love the way he tells us, he gives us instructions on what to do when we get these thoughts. He says when they occur, we quietly step back and look at them, and then we let them go. I, that just came to me because I had a bad thought this morning, and I forgot that I look at it, and then I let it go. <laughs> it was so helpful. I'm complete. Oh, boy, howdy. Thank you, Fran, that's for sure. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, Karen. Um, I was thinking in in the context of uh, the laws of chaos, the voice for God, um, the voice for God does not endorse the belief in sin. It recognizes sin as insanity. And the voice for God knows there's no substitute for God's love. The love of God, divine love, love that is has no specialness, there is no substitute anywhere for that. That would be like the fifth law of chaos. Um, Hi, this is Isla. Um, another thing I do when I have a bad thought. Uh, yeah. Ida, I'm not sure Karen was finished. I'm sorry. I was cut off the call and I had to call back in. I'm sorry, Karen. Oh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you, Ida. I know that there's only truth and only truth is true that there's no hierarchy of illusions. The voice for God knows that God never condemned us. God never condemned us. God didn't believe in the mythology of sin, the insanity of sin. God didn't endorse that. The voice for God knows that. Um, and of course, the, the voice for God knows that um, giving and having are one. So you can never get by taking away from someone else. Um, the biggest one of all for me is that sin is insanity. I looked at a, a belief in sin earlier, and it's so insane, and yet it's so insidious in my belief system because it was it was planted in my mind at such a young age. But the voice for God will step back whenever there's guilt or fear. It steps back gently and looks at if it's loving or if it's peaceful. If it's not loving and peaceful, if it has guilt or fear or judgment, then it's not the voice for God. I think that's enough. Um, I think that's enough. Each person, it's not true that we all must sin and deserve to die and be punished. 
Thank you, Karen. That was just great. And then come ahead, Ida. Okay. Thank you. Um, another thing that I do when uh, I have a bad thought is I look at it and say, God wills that I be saved from this, which is directly from the Course. And also what you said, Laurie, I look at it and say, I don't know. And that seems to help me as well. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. I love that quote, God wills I be saved from this. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, this is Sandra. And the war against yourself and the laws of chaos goes so well with let every voice but God's be still in me. When I get angry because my brother is not doing what I want him to do or what I want her to do, um, and then I get angry and and I attack, I'm really trying to steal their identity. And when I do that, I steal my own identity my true identity and that just creates chaos for both of us and this this last paragraph um, you know it, it creates chaos for both of us and that's and that's what really kills us it's not God that's going to kill us or wants to kill us both although I don't blame them for wanting to kill us both because we're both, you know, n- not not accepting the truth of who we are, which is which is pure love. And, and if I identify with being pure love, I'm going to experience pure love. If I identify with anger and resentment and attack, that's what my experience is going to be. And I'm going to, and it's the law of attraction. I'll, I'll attract that into my life as well. So I, I can't, I can't own anything that I take from my brother. So if I take his identity, or her identity, um, I can't have it myself. I'm complete. Oh, that's just an excellent point, Sandra. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, that's a great point, Sandra. And no one can take anything from us unless we think, um, unless we give our power away. And um, anyways, I'm complete. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. So true. true. And if we attack our brothers, we're taking our own power away. Right. 
Right, and, and you know, um, this is Jennifer again, to look at the, you know, I'm, I'm releasing, you know, I, I got some time off and I'm um, really um, releasing a whole bunch of things, the uh, obsession. Um, uh, I, I would never have thought that word. <laughs> um, but just really looking at, um, and I have an addiction I, I, I work with every day, you know, some some days I kind of forget about it, and I'm also, some days it uh, creeps in. But I, um, um, I just, my point is to look for the truth in everything now, to the best of my ability, just to stay lit, you know, to keep the light on in my my being, um, so I can take care of my life from the angle of the light opposed to uh, fear and being really pissed off. <laughs> um, and also just uh, just looking at what does that look like. And I'm, um, it's almost as if I've got gold threads coming down. Like we all have these gold lines coming down from heaven. And those are the lines kind of like a puppet, but not, not puppeting me, but like, um, that's my connection to heaven. And, and I, um, I feel like I'm sieving, releasing, uh, old, old, old ways of thinking and being just as we talked about here today, the laws of chaos. Oh my God. So, so simple, but to release it, how do we release that, you know, as it comes up in our life and how life is showing me um, <clears throat> where I bought into this chaos. And I just have to say, giving yourself, myself, the space and the time to um, be vulnerable in these emotions that I'm releasing and in the truth, there is no blame on myself or anybody. And that's the gift I'm getting from releasing and feeling the feelings as they come and go, opposed to projecting it onto another or, um, or you know, being, oh, I'm so terrible, blah, blah, blah. That's another form of the ego kicks the shit out of me and keeps me chasing my tail in this chaos. So I know I use this phrase sometimes, Marco Polo, but I feel like when my head's in the soup of, and I'm participating with the ego consciously or unco- well, unconsciously, I just have to say, Polo, <laughs> God, you know, like, okay, or I just need to get out of things, you know, that, that pool and just, just be and feel and then respond to the next right action. And I'm here to say that quickly, think the truth quickly can heal you um, depending on just what's your readiness, what's your willingness. Um, and, it, and it's a lifetime thing, uh, uh, releasing the chaos. 
uh, I can see this is going to be, you know, you know, and that's fine. But the level of um, uh, the the ego is is less and less present in my mind each day that I strive for the truth. So maybe I start off and it's ninety percent of what I'm thinking, but as I strive and I'm willing to show up like we all are on the call and willing to really look, you know, doing an um, inventory on what's going on. How am I really relating? Is this chaos or not? I'm uh, that percentage of um, processing my day from the ego opposed to the truth, it diminishes, you know, down to you know, 5% one day maybe, right? So English, I complete. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Jennifer. Jennifer. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Emphasis on on vigilance. <laughs> I appreciated that. Thanks. I interrupted you, Jessica. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, you're doing such a beautiful job, Lori, every day. It's just absolutely, what a gift. Um, I just, I just want to say that, you know, it's, um, again, I, I'm, I'm always, my mind is always blown by this course because it is so, so radical. I mean, he's telling us that uh, the way I, you know, many years ago, I, I was very interested in cults. And I thought it was just incredible how cults are able to get people to believe stuff that to me seemed cuckoo. And, you know, I had a couple of really good friends who went off to um, spiritual communities that I thought were like cults, basically, because they had leaders who, who said, I have the truth. And, you know, uh, many years later, one of my really good friends, well, anyway, that, that's, that doesn't matter. But, um, but the point I, I wanted to make is that we live in one big cult. I mean, we have been um, inculcated to, to believe in sin. We, we've been told... We're bad, and it's not true. You know, we've been told that, oh, you know, thinking this and doing this puts a stain on you, makes you uh, not loved by God. I mean, I wasn't even brought up in any kind of religion at all. My family didn't, didn't adhere to anything and was actually kind of anti-religious and a- anti-spiritual too, unfortunately. But... Even so, I picked it up from the culture and from, you know, every co- the different countries that I lived in because it's an enormous, um, it's an, a machine of disinformation telling us, telling little kids from a very young age, you know, that, uh, you know, that they're bad because they did something or, you know, I mean, I've seen, uh, I'm almost done. <laughs> I, I saw a, a child, a little girl with her doll, and she was just playing with the doll, and she, like, said something to the doll, like, you know, you're bad or something, and threw the doll on the ground. And, okay, so that's one example. And then the mother said to the girl, oh, don't be mean to your doll. That's, 
that's mean. You know, it's like a doll. You know what I mean? It's like uh, that was all like reflecting this feeling that we're bad, we're going to be punished, and we have to correct. And, you know, what it says, I guess I wasn't almost done, sorry. Um, what it says in this reading is, wait, did I want to read that part? Um, um, what he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself, which God himself is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted, being the belief the Son of God can make mistakes which his own destruction becomes inevitable, or which his own... You know, so, like, what a terrifying place to live, where you're walking around, and at any moment you could do something for which you would be, you know, which would be like a mortal sin, and you're going to be destroyed for it. No wonder people have depression and anxiety and and want to hide away in the house and never come out. Anyway, I love you guys. You're so wonderful. I love sharing this path with you. I'm complete. That was phenomenal, Jessica. And what a great analogy to a cult is the ego thought system. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, that was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. I get to thank Jennifer. I, I really enjoyed your share very much. Both of oh. you. Thank you. Oh. This is Robin. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I, I've been um, thinking about something that has happened to me recently, uh, which was uh, an acquaintance, uh, part of the community, uh, was so much in love with this person, with with a man. And she was just over the top in love with this man. And then she made an announcement that it was over with. And I was really so saddened for her because she was just so happy to be in love. And... um, And I realized that I've been trying to think of the man's name, and I should know the man's name. I mean, you know, I know the people around him, but I can't think of his name, and I thought, that is really strange because I don't know his side of the story. And so, anyway, it was just, um, you know, I need to forgive him for what I heard happened to her, but who knows? Who really knows? God knows what's best for both of them. So it's interesting how our minds and my mind can choose a side when we don't know at all what's going on. (laughs) So anyway, just a little introspection about what I do with my head. Thanks, guys. Why isn't that the truth, Robert Marie? So quick to judge. Thank you, Robin Marie. I love to hear your shares. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin Marie. Hi guys, good morning. How funny how funny we are. 
to judge a dream of ourselves. Doesn't that sound silly? We're judging a dream of ourselves. Like, does it matter? Does it matter what we do in the dream? Really? If we're dreaming that we're something we're not, that's not even real? That reality is of God. Who we are in reality is how God created us. This is this is what the Course is trying to teach me, that it, facts are facts. And, uh, you know, for me, to think I'm a person is to identify with my body. I am not a person in a body. It's simply the facts, according to the Course. You're not who, I'm not who I think I am. I think I'm a person in a body, but I'm not. This is what I'm dreaming I am. I'm playing a role. And I crucify myself for the things I do and the things that I don't do. And how silly is that? And not only that, but I crucify everybody else for doing what they're doing or what they're not doing. And that's where the insanity takes on the magnitude of the proportions of the world. This is what we're supposed to be waking up from, this dream of judgment, this dream that we... To see a sinless body is impossible. We just got done reading that. We can't see our holiness if we see ourselves as persons in bodies. We have, we have, we have to let it go. We're wrong. We're mistaken. I am wrong and mistaken if I look at myself as being a person in a body. I'm not. I'm not a singular, I'm not a sing, single independent. This is what we just read in the Lost Chaos. It's thinking I'm a, I'm a thinker is insanity. There are thoughts in one mind, and I pick the ones I like, the ones I think I have that give me value and give me meaning, that make me special, make me a person. I, me, mine. I, me, mine. I, self, me. Personal self. This is what memory makes me up to be. I'm not what I made of myself, and neither is anybody else. This is the mistake in our self-appraisal. I cannot be a person and know my Christ consciousness. They are diametrically opposed. One has self-will, and the other is willing, completely willing, to accept reality as God's and not be in opposition to any of it. It simply opposes nothing. That's why it's in a state of peace and a state of grace, and, and it's happy and content with everything as it is. It doesn't want anything to be different. It's perfectly content. It's perfectly at peace. Judgment is a dream of judgment. Let all voices in my mind be still. Form is deception. Perception of form is deception. Perception of my thoughts is real. That I believe my own thoughts is deception. I believe my own personal thoughts. (laughs) 
This is what Judy needed to wake up from. Don't believe anything you think in the world is true because you are thinking from a mistake in your own self-appraisal. And everything that Judy perceived from that mistake or error in her self-appraisal is, is an error. So everything, everything, unless I'm in a holy relationship with my true self, can I see anything else truly? Or through the eyes of Christ, or hear the voice of God in me, at one with me, they're in opposition, and never will they meet. So ergo, I had to get my my two two cents, s e n t s in <laughs> the end. Thanks, Judy. I love that mistaken self-appraisal. Me too. Thank you, Judy. This is Jennifer, and I was looking at uh, the last paragraph um, about um, joining friend to join with you, the last sentence, um, ask then your friend to join with you and give you certainty of where you go. And the only, I guess my point is, what is my way out of chaos? My way out is relationships. It's uh, my relationship with God inside myself. And it's my relationship with everything that has a heartbeat. And, um, you know, I don't know, I just, I need to remember that. It's not in isolating myself or making myself bad or somebody else. Heaven is reached. And heaven feels like, to me, a vulnerable state at times because I'm shifting, releasing back into into God, you know, that which I am, which is love. And also, relationships that bring challenges, um, if you can see them in, in truth, what each relationship is bringing you, each person that comes along is a mirror for me, a mirror, a beautiful mirror. If I'm willing to look at the truth, I have, I have, in order to be in a state of peace and joy within myself and give that to uh, the mirror in front of me, near or far, I have to, I have to look at the truth. And when I ask for the truth, all obsession, addiction, and these are my, the things that I'm seeing in me that, that are shifting and being released moment to moment, day to day, if I'm feeling all of a sudden really sad, um, it's a form of me believing um, that things aren't peaceful or or I can be at joy. But what I'm doing is I'm allowing myself to feel this and then go back to the truth. 
and and it it's like a sieve, your sieving flower. Sometimes it takes a little while. You're feeling sadness. You're feeling really, really, really angry. Holy, really angry. And and I have to ask myself, what's the truth in this? This is not my brother or my sister's fault. It's me and how I was perceiving the chaos for so many lifetimes. Being in relationship with others, believing in, in what we just talked about today and the last time we talked. And releasing that looks like, feels like a really um, vulnerable state, which, it, you know, it does. But I remember in the Course of Miracles, it says, in my vulnerability lies my safety. And why is that? Because the truth comes. It, it comes within you. And it's not from the ego. It feels soft and peaceful. And there's a release. Uh, I'm complete. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. Great, great rendition of the experience of forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you, thank Jennifer. You, Jennifer. Wise words. I want to say one more thing really fast. Sometimes um, feeling, going through the process of releasing the egoic chaos thought system that I hold near and dear, um, uh, I think, oh my gosh, I'm just so scared or sad or lonely. And the act of allowing myself to cry is actually an act of allowing God to hug me and fill me up. It's, it's, it's a, a moment of giving and receiving the act of, I'm so sad, I'm so, or I'm so angry, and then you get to the, oh, now I feel so sad, which is underneath it. And the act of just crying, allowing myself to weep is, like putting my head on Jesus' chest, it says in the course of love, come to me, give me your anger, give me your sadness, your depression, put your head on my chest and rest. Let me, let me stroke your hair, your face, come to me with all of it, and, and you will feel peace in the midst of whatever it is that you are releasing back to me and coming home with atonement at that. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. That was a gift, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes. One time recently when I was pretty distraught, 
Reverend Pam on her call said to me, I want you to take Jesus' hand. And I opened my hand and I took Jesus' hand in the air, except it felt like it was really Jesus' hand. It really emotionally hit me uh, really strong, and it was amazing. I don't know why I should be amazed, but I was, because he's always here. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank, Thank you, Ida. You're so sweet and innocent. I love it. Yes, he's always here. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, what a privilege to listen to so many wise voices this morning. <laughs> uh, we learn these things the hard way sometimes, don't we? But um, where I wanted to start this morning uh, was this from chapter 3 in Conflict and the Ego he says God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know that no miscreation exists truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blocked out that's important I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge and as a man I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as correct error from the bottom up I demonstrated both the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind by uniting my will with that of my creator I naturally remembered the soul and its own real purpose I, I want to start there because it contains two real important features that he draws out of this reading the first one is truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blocked out and what that means to me is I am blind I am blind to the mistaken ideas I hold exactly like he says in paragraph or in the first principle because of the conditioning you know I'm not alone in experiencing the effect the effects of this world you know everyone makes one ego for himself and one for everybody else um, I don't get to escape the idea that truth is different for everyone <laughs> right down to the to playing with the dollies you know we're inculcated with the idea of badness and that some people are better than others some people have a more right idea than others uh, I'm blind to my value system I don't realize um, the beliefs I hold that cause me to make these judgments. I'm blind to them 
I'm blind to the fact that I think truth is different for everyone. I don't I don't realize that because of conditioning. And this makes me blind. Um, makes me blind to truth and establishes in my mind a hierarchy a hierarchy of illusions where some are better than others. You can think of tons of opposites that reflect that. Some people are more educated. Some people have more money. Some people have uh, more innate talent. Uh, some people are better athletes. I mean, all of this um, comparison and measurement based on a hierarchy of values influences my mind. <clears throat> and I'm blind to that influence. Truth cannot deal with unwilling errors because it doesn't will to be blocked out. I'm blind to it. And then he goes on to say, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge, and as a man I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge. That is to say, I didn't come to my thought system and say, this is where you're wrong, this is where you're wrong, this is where you're wrong, and this is where he's wrong, and this is where he's wrong. I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge, put a band-aid on my mind, and close off these hidden things to me. Rather, <clears throat> I demonstrated the powerless, wait no, rather, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. And that's what this reading is featuring to me. The fact that I'm blind to all of the beliefs that I hold that establish a hierarchy of illusions in my mind that form the basis for judgment based on my value system, which I don't realize I think is better than yours or different than yours or more correct than yours. <clears throat> and through that blindness, I attempt to see everything. That's the problem right there in a nutshell. And he says, I did not attempt to counteract it with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. That's why he goes on to say that when I bring illusions to the truth instead of to each other, I will experience the joy of forgiveness, which is the miracle of correction in my mind. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful system? Right there in that first problem, my blindness <clears throat> that causes me to judge rather than see, the correction is built in, and it's built in, it's built in because I have the ability, just like it says in today's lesson, Father, tell me what the truth of this is. I don't know. That's how I correct my errors from the bottom up. And how do I get that? How, how do I come to that place <laughs> except by watching my mind? I was <clears throat> reflecting on this this morning. I got up quite early, and uh, and I spent some time meditating on how my brother is God's gift to me, and how. And I was really glad you brought that up when Robin Marie brought up someone else's relationship, how where she could see injury and pain. Um, 
it turns out it turns out that my brother is my mirror he says as long as perception lasts your brother is your mirror without my brother I can't see my blindness every brother holds a mirror to me in order that I can see those things to which I'm blind and when I have we talk a lot about triggers or reactions or you know that experience of contraction withdrawal rejection um, the physical feelings that go with judgment the smallness the um, contraction all of that when I experience that loss of peace that little twinge of guilt how does that happen for me except that my brother's holding a mirror to the content of my mind and every time that happens I have the privilege the privilege of asking what's the truth of this because I don't know I was blind I couldn't know that without my brother I couldn't know that I couldn't have the experience of the miracle that corrects my mind correction is built into these first two errors corrections built in because of my brother because my brother shows me my mind errors so that I can ask the truth of this experience the joy of forgiveness which is the miracle the correction of my mind that's the only way I can learn um, all the things to which I'm blind he says <clears throat> the end of chapter 4 he says your gratitude your gratitude is the only gift I want because to come to know one brother is to make all brothers part of me and your gratitude to your brothers is the only gift I want I'll take it to our father and that's the gift of the atonement the recognition that we're all one that perfect love casts out all fear and what is perfect love but the atonement it's built into this built into um, the correction of my mind my release from the laws of chaos my release from um, if I follow these laws of chaos inevitably inevitably I will believe that God has condemned me that condemnation is built into the system that somebody is holding my meaning that I should have I should take it from him and achieve what specialness instead of love that's what's built into the laws of chaos and then he asked me at the end I love it when he asked me questions I love that because that's another way I can see what the content of my mind is are you certain that you realize these are the laws of madness <laughs> you know taking me right back to what is sin sin is insanity the means by which the mind is driven mad the cult of death I love the way you describe that Jessica anyway <clears throat> I'm going to return to uh, the beautiful reflection I had this morning when I 
watch my mind, um, I come to realize that my brother is holding the miracle for me. And I, I didn't realize that until I started to see it operating um, with the correction of my mind. So many times I see people struggle with each other. And, um, and it's for us to realize that our brother is carrying our miracles. Our brother's carrying the thing that corrects my mind from the bottom up, allowing me to bring illusion to truth. Not truth to illusion to condemn me or harshly criticize me or blame me or tell me I'm wrong. Not like that. But to rather reflect to me. Reflect to me my mind errors so I can be corrected. That's why gratitude makes all men my brothers. And uh, I'm very grateful. I'm complete. Well, thanks so much for that. That was so good. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for not waiting to the very, very end or after all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. That was very valuable. Thank you, Lori. Gratitude. It's keeping the door open to you and to your brother. But you know what? I see several people who have joined us since we started. That's the privilege of being able to watch this board. Um, and I'm so glad to see you all. I've been thinking, been thinking of you. Would anyone care to announce or say good morning? Good morning. This is Sarah, and I so enjoyed listening. Thank you so much. Good morning. This is Patricia. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Hi, this is Yogi Chris. I'm practicing letting every voice but God's be still in me as I listen. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris.
<clears throat> well, let's see if, if um, no one has anything just here. I wanted to say that um, there's a part, I mean, this section is really long, The Laws of Chaos. And I always feel a little bit bad that um, it's broken in half because the second half is much more hopeful. <laughs> um, but um, but I think I think it's probably pretty wise, you know, that I'm able to discern um, how important it is for me to ask for correction at the very beginning in my blindness because it is inevitable that um, if I'm not corrected early on, um, I will wind up feeling like that he has a whole chapter. This is 23, the war against yourself. Chapter 24 is specialness. There's a whole chapter dedicated to specialness as a substitute for love. And so um, I think it's probably really wise that I realize uh, my great need for vision, for forgiveness, and for miracles at this very first step down the ladder uh, that will inevitably cement my belief in condemnation and put me in a position where the only thing that will satisfy me is a substitution for love and that specialness. So if I can see how the first error leads to the second and the second to the third and how the third makes the atonement a myth or a fantasy that there is no salvation, um, I won't get trapped in that uh, ego substitute of specialness for, for love. My father wills my father wills that I be one with him. And every brother, every brother is my means for salvation. I, I just can't emphasize how great the gift of forgiveness is. And, uh, and how I will believe, it, it's inevitable that I will believe that God is distant from me if I have one element of not truth um, clouding my clouding my mind um, because it's not natural it's simply not natural and um, I guess it's okay <laughs> that we break this section in half just so I can see the inevitability of that horrible substitution of specialness for love if I'm not um, if I'm not led to surrender my illusions for truth anyway I'm complete thank you Lori oh, thank you Lori so great. one thing this is Jennifer one thing that just came to mind just now and even the last few days, it was, oh, my relationship with myself and how 
I really desire, I really, really, really desire um, to, through forgiveness of my errors, that I can go inside in any given moment. This is my vigilance. This is my practice now. My focus is go inside, Jennifer. Go inside. This is where God is. God is inside of you. And what I am wanting, what I truly desire is to feel the, the happiness, the joy of being, but it, it's inside me. It's not outside of me. It's a huge lesson for me to be able to feel that. So just direct my attention inside. Um, that's my goal. I want to be walking on this planet more and more, wanting to go inside during awake and not awake, you know, bodies awake or not awake, but just to be like, oh, this is the place I want to be now instead of caught in the chaos of illusion and, you know, rejection and projection and all that shit. <laughs> That's not true. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Beautiful. Well, you know what? Thank I'm going to um, end this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, um, well, you you go ahead and end the call um, if you want to, Lori. I will. I'll wrap up the recording, Ida. Uh, but as you know, we stay on. So, okay. uh, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to close with today, you guys have emphasized it for me. It's from Chapter Seven: The State of Grace. The Holy Spirit will always guide you truly, because your joy is His. This is his will for everyone because he speaks for the kingdom of God, which is joy. Following him is therefore the easiest thing in the world and the only thing that is easy because it is not of the world and therefore natural. Therefore natural. The world goes against your nature, being out of accord with God's laws. The world perceives orders and difficulty in everything. This is because the ego perceives nothing as wholly desirable. By demonstrating to yourselves that there is no order of difficulty in miracles, you will convince yourselves that in your natural state, there is no difficulty because it is a state of grace. Grace is the natural state of every son of God. When he's not in a state of grace, is out of his natural environment and does not function well. <laughs> Everything he does becomes a strain because he was not created for the environment he has made. There's no point in trying. A son of God is happy only when he knows he is with God. This is the only environment in which he will not experience strain because that is where he belongs. It is the only environment that is worthy of him because his own worth is beyond anything he can make. You who could give the love of God to everything you see and touch and remember are literally denying heaven to yourselves. This law 
of chaos, war against yourself, literally denying heaven to yourself. So I call upon you again to remember I have chosen you to teach the kingdom to the kingdom. There are no exceptions to this lesson because the lack of exceptions is the lesson. Every son who returns to the kingdom with this lesson in his heart has healed the sonship and given thanks to God. Everyone who learns this lesson has become the perfect teacher because he's learned of the Holy Spirit who wants to teach him everything he knows. When a mind has only light, it knows only light. Its own radiance shines all around it and extends out into the darkness of other minds, transforming them into majesty. The majesty of God is there for you to recognize, appreciate, and know. Perceiving the majesty of God as your brother is to accept your own inheritance. God gives only equally. If you recognize his gift in anyone else, you've acknowledged what he has given you. Nothing is as easy to perceive as truth. It's immediate, clear, and natural. What is the truth of this, Father? Teach me. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Y'all make the kingdom. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> sure appreciate every voice. <laughs>